孔明が音楽シーンに新たな伝説を誕生させる私があなたの軍師になります Let's party time! Hello and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast where we talk about how evil and inspired movies, TV and books depict the medieval world. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah i f t d e c k e r a medieval historian, and today I'm joined once again by fellow medievalist Peter Kunyechny to discuss anime series Yaboi Kongming. So, Peter, welcome. Hey, hey, thank you for having me again. Thank you for, for coming back, and thank you for introducing me to this piece of media. So,、uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and if you want to talk about this particular show? Okay, well, I am I'm the editor and head and owner of Medievalist.net.、Uh, so, it's the kind of like go to place for anyone interested in medieval studies, news, and articles, all that fun stuff. We got a couple of podcasts ourselves, a YouTube channel, all that kind of fun stuff.、Uh, so, I, I live the good life of watching historians do work and <laughs> occasionally getting into doing some history myself. So, this, this, this show actually brings together like, two of my really good loves. One is、mm-hmm. Romance of the Three Kingdoms,、uh, which is the book、uh, that got me first started as a historian.、Mm-hmm. It got me like, hey, high, high school aged me. And it was like, this is great. And uh, I, uh, I followed through、uh, and read it many times and、uh, inspired me to go on to do what I did.、Uh, and、mm-hmm. the other thing is anime, which is、uh, mm-hmm. you know, something actually I've only kind of returned to、uh, in the re- recent years and、uh, just love watching the kind of these、uh, movies and, and shows out of Japan.、Mm-hmm. Uh, just some are beautifully done. And this,、uh, this is Ya Boy Kung Bing. Yeah. So, I'm going to say a little bit about the show, but、uh, before we get into the, the plot, I just want to note this show. First of all, I found it extremely charming, and I'm very glad that you,、uh, you got me to watch it since、uh, I, I often enjoy anime when I start watching it, but I don't necessarily like, think to look for anime often. These days, and so、uh, I, I doubt I would have come across this. And so, thank you for introducing me to it. For the listeners,、uh, If you are interested in watching this show, and I would argue perhaps you should,、uh, it is only 12 episodes, each of which are like 25 minutes. It's pretty short. And if you're interested in watching and do not want the entire series spoiled for you, I encourage you to go ahead and watch it before listening to this episode. Oh, yeah. I say all of you, all, because 100% of this audience has not seen Yeah, Boy Kong Ming. Right. That <laughs> if you want to. Spend like a few days just enjoying something that's very light, a very good message to get you away from the kind of troubles that we're seeing in the world today.、Uh, this is、uh, certainly something that could、uh, be a great diversion and just something you'd really love. And no matter if you love history or not, or、mm-hmm. even if you don't, even if you love anime, I think, like, put it this way, I'm going to give this a glowing review. So,、um, Take my word for it, though, that this is something you, you'd love to watch. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. So, and I'm going to be giving this a pretty,、uh, pretty positive review as well. So, I definitely encourage people to,、uh, to check this out. Starts out as a manga series published between 2019 and 2021. And then we have the anime, the, excuse me, the animes of 2022. And、uh, just to tell everybody the premise before we get into anything about the plot, the premise essentially. 
is that uh, Zhu Zheliang, uh, also known, uh, referred to as Kung Bing, he dies, but instead of, uh, you know, being kind of ordinarily, you know, being in the afterlife or being ordinarily uh, reincarnated, he is uh, just brought back essentially as himself, but in approximately now, and uh, becomes the uh, strategist for a aspiring musician. Enumeratio. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 it in a nutshell. Like, uh, so yeah. The uh, as uh, as I think I told you, one of the reviewers, this is like a, a garbage fire of a plot. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, having having seen a number of medieval related movies, mm-hmm. I would not necessarily have expected that a show about a century military strategist coming to the present and um guiding along somebody on a music career i would not necessarily have expected that that would be delightful but in fact it is yes yes kong ming uh if you uh heard our like uh one on uh, red cliffs that we did he was one of the characters there mm-hmm. uh one of the main characters and you know he he dies i believe in uh, 235 a.d and mm-hmm. so the, the the show starts out with him like, I wish to be reborn in a time of peace, you know. Yeah. And then like, there's you you see that meteor going across the sky, that meteorite. All of a sudden, it's uh, Shibuya, Shibuya, Japan, Shibuya, Tokyo, mm-hmm. Japan. So <laughs> he is super confused. He's like, shouldn't I be dead? He ends up at this, like, rave, which uh, it seems to be on Halloween, yes. and sees all of these bizarre costumes, including um, Eiko, who will become our other central character, dressed up in this kind of devil costume. Yes, yes. And uh, his immediate response is, uh, am I in hell? <laughs> yes, yeah. They, he's in Shibuya. Like, it's uh, like this, like, the party place of Tokyo. So, anyways, okay. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, the, apparently their Halloween uh, celebrations are quite uh, quite off the charts. So, um, hmm. you know, you, he's walking around like yeah, this must be hell, which I, I think would be uh, a reasonable deduction. So, uh, and uh, and understandable. Of two, and of course, two guys find him, like two partiers, and like one of them, hey, mm-hmm. huge look, like, just like Kong Meng. Wow, man, you you are just styling and profiling. <laughs> so he's uh, you know. So yeah, he, he, he's still in his thing. Although he he now yes. looks younger, he looks um, yes. kind of like in his twenties. So instead of an old man, yeah. So. so he's a younger version of himself, but is still wearing like the clothing that he would have been wearing in yeah. the third century, which uh, he pretty consistently does with uh, with few moments of exception over the course of the series. And mm-hmm. I do also find it very very funny that people frequently like recognize him. As Kung Ming, as yes. if like there are like like as if there are like of him. They yeah, it's so true. Like like uh, like you know, some people say, "Hey, you're just in cosplay, right?" But then like yeah, we, we we see characters that and you know, which I uh, just goes to show you the power of the Three Kingdoms. Oh, yeah, so, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> his two new friends, you know, start taking him around the clubs, which he sees uh, as the next levels of hell. Yeah, and so when he is then uh, in this club, he hears a woman who will turn out to be our other kind of major character of Eiko, hears her singing and is super impressed and moved by her, yeah. you know, and kind of becomes then, you know, interested in her. 
She then uh, finds him as it turns out, like passed out, basically. Yeah. He uh, like he he falls for her music. You can mm-hmm. see that with him, like, and then he actually approaches her afterwards after she's done her song, uh, where like you know, hey, you know, and she just passes it off as a, like a, some another drunk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so his the bartender says, "Well, you do have a fan, right?" So yeah, you know. yeah. So this is uh, this is exciting. So she ends up uh, helping him out, and um, he is at first like very confused. You know, he's like just talking about like you know trying to figure out his plan for like commanding a corpse army, but realizes eventually that he has instead been restored to life. She introduces him to some of the uh, confusing trappings of modern life. So you know, smartphone, humidifier. Wow. Yes. Clock computer. I don't. I still. I don't know what that last thing is either. So, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of know in theory what a humidifier is, but I'm not actually sure like why you get one. Oh, I meant the the thing in the mouth. So, oh wow. Uh, But yeah, like it it is that kind of like fish out of water scene, right? That you would expect. Yeah. And when I when I started watching, I think oh, the entire series is going to be like this. right? Right. But it, it goes by fairly quickly where he, he has she has to introduce him to the modern world. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, and we'll talk about this more later, it's something that on the one hand, is it realistic per se, right? That a person from the third century plopped into the 21st century would adapt quite this quickly. I don't know, not necessarily, but also I think it really makes the show a lot stronger because I think it would get very boring to keep having those you know fish out of water moments again and again over the course of the 12 episode series yeah yeah like uh hey i, I can believe it because it's kind of me so yeah exactly like i'm like okay I, I buy that he's maybe a particularly adaptable individual Indeed. So. He, he starts teaching uh, she says a few hours to teach him uh so by the end by the end of the teaching session he's asking about what a blockchain is right which I actually don't really know what a blockchain no, is. So. No one does. So they. Uh, so and it's uh, and uh, it's like, but he also realizes, like he, you know, looks at the Wikipedia pages about what happens, and he mm-hmm. learns that, like, you know, Laibe has died, mm-hmm. the shoe hand has fallen, like, you know, like everything he kind of worked for, it, you know, went down the drain, and like, every, and he realizes that everything yeah. he's dead. And mm-hmm. uh, she she uh, sings for him a second time because she uh, sang once at the club. Now she sings uh, a very you know kind of beautiful little song, just on her guitar in in mm-hmm. in, in her room, right? Uh, to uh, which was this is very important that that she sings three times for him. So yeah, so yeah, she winds up singing to cheer him up. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then they realize he needs a job. Yes, and I adore. So she takes him right to the uh, the club that she uh, that she works at and sings at, and try and essentially like starts out by like you know she's sort of trying to introduce him. Right, he actually introduces himself then as Kong Ming, and she's like, "Oh no, this is so embarrassing. You've completely ruined this." But it turns out that this guy, even though he doesn't necessarily believe at first that this is the real Kong Ming, he's a big 
came, like records of the three kingdoms enthusiast and is so excited to just have somebody to talk about records of the three kingdoms with, which I think is kind of adorable. Yes. This guy that is club owner and all his entire reference related, no, he's only referred as club owner or, or, or right. owner, right? So yeah, he, uh, he immediately asks him about a very, you know, sad uh, time where uh, Kang Ming had to execute one of his uh, mm-hmm. loyal followers which both leads them to tears as they recount it. And Aiko is like, what the hell are you two talking about? Yeah. But yeah, he agrees. Yeah, you will start. Yeah. I will hire you because I want to talk to you. Right, right. Which, yeah, fair enough. It turns out he's also great at mixing, so. Yeah. Well, it's... Adaptable. Yeah, it would. You know, if he can make tea, this is just easy. Yeah. There you go. And then he hears Aiko, Aiko goes up to sing a third time. So mm-hmm. uh, as this is happening, the club owner, you know, gives uh, a little talk to Kung Ming about like, you know, you have to have good intentions for this girl. Mm-hmm. You know, gives that mean stare. Like, you know, by the way, do you think when you kind of first saw the club owner, do you thought he was like, like going to be a bad guy? I was not sure. I was kind of assuming I was kind of assuming he wouldn't be a good guy, I guess. I wasn't sure if I thought he was going to be. A, I didn't think he was going to be a villain per mm-hmm. se, but I think I expected him to be like a little bit difficult like, right like somebody who's like a little bit of an obstacle maybe yeah like i i kind of thought like at the the first like oh this is the trope of the sleazy yeah uh, you know and it turns out totally not so no he's just like seems like a very sweet guy who has this kind of like fatherly relationship to echo and it's yeah. uh it's actually kind of charming Kong Ming, um first of all he uh he hears a little bit more about echo's life including that uh, she actually had uh, she had a suicide attempt and was inspired by by music by hearing a singer that she especially enjoyed uh, that she was inspired by that to instead keep going and to devote her life to music and between this story and her singing Kung Ming is himself inspired and offers her his services as a tactician yes the idea is that she is saying three times for him which is uh, echoes how Liu Bei came three times to visit Kung Ming before Kung Ming accepted his, accepted becoming his uh, uh, tactician for Liu Bei. So, mm-hmm. so we, we yeah, uh, so we have a very like that. That the dynamic is that Aiko is Liu Bei, right? Know, so. Which is really fun, right? That instead of, uh, you know, being this like monarch, right? She's like somebody whose goal is to become a professional singer. Yeah. You know, I, I guess at first, like, she doesn't really think that uh, Kang Ming will help her, like, because, you know, mm-hmm. she just met her. But, uh, you know, uh, right now, we're now into episode two. So mm-hmm. Th- this move, this, uh, this show moves quickly. So it doesn't move quickly. The overall, the kind of structure of a number of episodes is that um, kind of famous military strategies from various texts, as well as things that are kind of associated with his own life, either from the kind of earlier biographical materials or from the the Three Kingdoms, and uh, uses these military stratagems to uh, further Aikos. Yeah, like he, uh, you know, we get like the next next kind of two episodes kind of are very similar in a sense that like uh, Aiko gets to do a performance, but there are obstacles uh, that are kind of put in the way that come a bit from the other singer and the environment. But uh, Kung Ming has a plan to deal with those. 
Yes. So with the first one being that he recreates, so his uh, his stratagem of the uh, the stone sentinel maze, so essentially this way of kind of trapping and tricking the enemy, he uses to trap people on the room where Iko is singing. And so people stay and listen to her instead of going to the uh, the stage where the at the same kind of concert where the famous singer is performing. Yes, yeah. He uses these little tricks like uh, making the... uh entrance into the into their uh, whole uh, room uh mirror the the entrance into the bathrooms so mm-hmm. and he places trees as certainly he puts a little fog out there uh different lights uh thing trees it right so um so basically they just wander they uh they can't figure a way out and it's Iko singing that keeps them staying so and yeah he, and he draws yeah. basically he draws basically everybody into the room so uh and uh and wins the day yeah and then the uh, there's this other band who is uh the kind of competitor uh band in the next episode the competitor band at the festival that she's performing he manages to trick them into thinking that her sound equipment has broken down and so they will put very little and kind of essentially being like oh like we're a mess we're really small you know you don't have to worry about us mm-hmm. and so then because of that you know they they kind of hold back they don't sing their you know really famous song and uh that allows Aiko to draw more listeners or more of an audience yeah he he often makes use of the fact that people underestimate Aiko mm-hmm. and pretends to kind of fall you know to be fall falling into their plans into their mm-hmm. little plots but uh, is able to uh, outmaneuver them, and just you know, just mm-hmm. making something out of nothing is is the uh, the idea of that of that second uh, uh, second yeah. ver- uh, version, which is great, you know. So the uh, with the second one, she's able to draw a big crowd, which in turn draws the uh, concert, like uh, the show's promoter, who mm-hmm. off, who comes in, and he, he apparently, I guess, he's based on some sort of. Uh, real life character so oh uh, okay yeah like uh, there's a couple of people i think that are based on on real life characters um, mm-hmm. it's like real people in like the music industry in japan yeah. okay yeah yeah and so he said like basically uh they have give aiko the opportunity to either play at another kind of uh festival where there'll be mm-hmm. like ten thousand people or you know she could try to get into this Summer Sonia, which is the biggest like concert in Japan, like a hundred thousand people will be there. So it's you have to do the to do this. She has to get a hundred thousand likes on a social media post by the yes. end, by like the end of the month. Yes, this then will be the the kind of overarching goal over the course of the uh, the remainder of the season will be this uh, this participation in this hundred thousand likes project, which apparently over the like years that like the five years that they've been doing this, like one group, like one musical act has ever actually managed it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it, it can destroy a band for not yeah. like, not achieving it so like there, there's there's big stakes already so uh but she but echo like in a dramatic moment she decides to take it but, uh, yes <laughs> which was very I, I quite liked and then like you know kind of well i, I don't know how we're going to do this so how are we going to yeah. achieve this and uh but yeah like um we're on to like our next phase of the show or, or like our i guess part two of like kind of uh yeah for like uh for parts of this, of this, of this, of this season, so, mm-hmm. and and yeah, and we are quickly changed because we move on to another character 
Yes. Kabe, Kabe Taiji. Yes, so that um, Kong Wing decides that he wants to recruit their team as a kind of further support, a uh, a, rap- a rapper, and is, you know, looking for somebody. And so we uh, we meet Kabe, who um, is kind of similar to the Aiko, right, in the sense that somebody who is clearly very talented, but doesn't have uh, necessarily kind of have the confidence to go forward. And in particular, in Kabe's case, this seems to come from this kind of trauma, essentially, that he, you know, was very successful and then essentially kind of due, due to anxiety or stress uh, collapsed during a rap battle with like an acute stomach ulcer mm-hmm. and has not since then ever rapped in public. Yeah, see, Kabe, you look at him, he's a small guy, kind of nerdy, very anxious. Anxiety, he's just torn apart by anxiety. And uh, you see him meeting his rival, Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, uh, Sabatora, I think, and he, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he is, he's this big, strong guy. It looks like he could beat the hell out of you <laughs> very quickly. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. Uh, and like, hey, when are you going to face me again? You know, like he kind of just runs off, right? So, but you know, you can sense like he's having, he's he's having a lot. He's taking a lot of medicine. He's not. Mm-hmm. Getting, he looks like he's not getting an ounce of sleep. Yeah, um, he did not seem like he is doing great. Yeah, you know, and uh, of course, but uh, he has to take his laundry. He has to do his laundry sooner or later. So, yep, and uh, the laundromat that he uh, that he enters, Kong Ming, uh, who he describes, he immediately sees him and says, "This is the most trouble I've come across today." <laughs> yes, <laughs> they and he's just waiting for him, and they absolutely a little bit of small talk. Mm-hmm. But like uh, Kong Ming is like, hey, I want you to join me, and uh, uh, he gets into this kind of song slash rap, it's kind of mm-hmm. uh, to talk to him, which is this wonderful kind of bit. You just have to see it, I guess. Like where, like, the yeah, whole, where the, the where the 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 backbeat comes from the laundromat itself, from the you know mm-hmm. the washing machines yeah. themselves. So he he doesn't convince him, but he says he, he basically challenges him. To come to uh, the the club that, that they're all mm-hmm. at, it's called the BB BB Lounge. Yeah, uh, come to the club like next week and uh, face me in a rap battle. Yeah, and so this is actually so it's interesting, right? So the uh, the sort of stratagem that he cites here is from Sun Tzu, and it's a uh, show your enemies something to their benefit to entice them. And so it's interesting, right? Because um, one of the things that I actually think is is nice about this and like very heartwarming is that Kong Ming, even though he is manipulating people, is also like kind of pretty decent always mm-hmm. to people, right? Um, and so that even yes. if he's like constructing him like as his enemy and this is this kind of military battle, right? He's like, this ultimately is going to be good for you. And like seems to actually kind of stick with that. He also like, you know, like there's like the guy from that other band, he like gives him something for his sore throat. Like you know, we really actually see his commitment in some ways, even while he's employing these military strategies, mm-hmm. we see his commitment to uh, wanting to be in a more peaceful world, which mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, heard from him at the beginning. Yeah, I think I think like, the, the one thing you, you wouldn't expect out of this show is that con- there's character developed to the Kung Ming, right? Yeah. But there is. that this the, mm-hmm. he, he does have some changes to himself that he talks about. Uh, mm-hmm. too so which is really cool to have so but you know he's also he's also got like a, a mission to do so Kabe, Kabe Taiji does come so mm-hmm. 
to get him to to do that rap battle, it, it, there there were some underhanded things thrown in. Yes, so, yes, they, yes, um, including uh, yeah, he he secretly fed him drugs that would help with his stomach, um, <laughs> which I will say I do think is uh, problematic. That that is just presented as like, yay, I accidentally <laughs> drugged you, um, but you know. Yeah. All things in war, right? So, um, yep. And, yep. and he also he also has Iko sing uh, a song that he would have remembered from his childhood, and that that would have that helped him kind of remember things about mm-hmm. like how he started and why yeah. he started this. And we we get a lot of flash like this happens over a couple episodes, and we get quite a lot of flashbacks to you mm-hmm. know Kabe's life and like how he yeah. got into this and 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 what kind of led him kind of this route of like anxiety. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and also though that he, I mean, both what led kind of led him into this kind of present anxiety, but also that at first when he first started doing it just like for fun and before he was doing it competitively, that rapping was something that made him feel more confident as this like awkward nerdy kid at school. Um, and so we do have this kind of nice undercurrent, right, for uh, for a number of our characters about them kind of like discovering their self-confidence in this way that's actually like quite nice, I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so it, it, it does come where, like, he, Kabe's not sure he wants to leave. And then, like, just before he gets to the door, the spotlight goes on him. And uh, Kagamings challenges him to uh, a rap battle, even sa- saying, even though I've never done one, I'm, I'm brand new at mm-hmm. this, I can still kick your ass. And, like, Kagamings. Like, yeah, like, just like a word contest. I can do this. Yeah. you can't let that go, right? So. This is one of the highlights for me was was this mm-hmm. scene. Uh, it was have, pretty delightful. Where like basically, uh, and I guess you know, didn't see many of these before, but uh, they're each get this uh, saying like a handful of bars at each mm-hmm. other, uh, and yeah, go back and forth like I think three or four times, uh, where they kind of just have to make up the lyrics as they go along. Yeah, yeah. The, that the whole that, right that the point is that it's freestyle, right? Uh, that's very hard. I, I definitely could not do this. But yeah, and so, you know, he kind of introduces, uh, right, this wager that um, if you you'll get to, you know, ask me for a favor. And uh, if I win, you're going to, like, come join us, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they so they have kind of these kind of start, um, you know, like, if you're wondering, like, how does Kung know even to do this? He says, well, hey, it's just kind of like the poetry that we used to kind of go back and forth with with each other back in my time you know like there they could they, like there could be a yeah there was a bit of a like when i kind of read the romance of the kings i could see what he's talking about like you know like there are mm-hmm. this kind of disc poems that, that are out there yeah so, uh so this is i don't did you watch it in dub or in uh uh like uh, the dub version or uh, or with uh, titles subtitles i watched the subtitled version Okay, because I, I watched with the dub, but they actually keep the music the same and the word and the word. Oh. So um, that's what you'll probably actually, actually find like uh, all the kind of music mm-hmm. was not was not dubbed. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and there's and there's a lot of like they're singing like in in a lot of places actually they're singing in English. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not all, not everything, but like a lot of like a lot of the songs are like at least like partially in English. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, in fact, like the, the, there's that one uh, one that kept uh, that's kind of being sung, and it's like uh, the idea is that an American singer is right, and they're covering it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. 
but um yeah like uh i you know i i read up uh on a person that did the translation for this uh mm-hmm. name is jake young and he did like this twitter thread and he talked about like this was the hardest thing he ever had to do mm-hmm. he's done, like 200 episodes where he's done you know you know translated anime yeah. episodes. so he said he hasn't spent any longer than doing this one and just he, he went through lots of books lots of you know trying to mm-hmm. figure it out right so um yeah you know uh, but yeah, they have this one. Uh, they go back and forth a few times. They get they uh, they're tied at the at the end of the like kind of first round, so they have to go into a playoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Kung Ming changes it up, where he mm. gives this you know recites this poem about you mm-hmm. know having lost everything, but he's found a new path for himself. And he mm-hmm. he tells he basically tells Kabe to follow that follow a new path as well. So it changes yeah. it up, and Kabe's response is that yeah, you know, I will follow I will follow a new path. I've been reinvigorated. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, uh, so. and that this inspires him, right? Such that he he becomes the the clear victor. Yeah. Um, but uh, but fortunately, the thing that he wants is to join them. So uh, all works out. <laughs> Yes, all works out. This is Kong Ming Yu and Woods. So, yeah, yeah. You know, know, Jeans again, like a very, you know, good character. I would would like to see him be more part of the group because basically a Mm -hmm. lot of his plot arc is on his his own, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You don't see him and Aiko, Aiko, like doing too much together. No, you. But when they do, there's a little magic there. So. Yeah, and I, I also would have liked to see a little bit more of their connection and their relationship, uh, especially, I mean, because we, we then kind of are about to sort of move on to another arc in which we'll see Aiko developing this friendship with another singer, uh, which I think is actually really lovely and it would be nice, uh, and I don't want to get rid of that at all. I think that's yeah. wonderful, but I would, I would like to also see a little bit more of that yeah. connection with Cobb working together. We we move on to like uh, so Kangmi uh, brings them all together back to the bar the next day to like unveil his plan and basically says well you know to get Summer Sony you need a hundred thousand likes you know mm-hmm. I, I, as as a big Romance of Three Kingdom fan I, I already knew where, what the reference was but uh, there are so many little references by the way to uh, yeah. Romance of Three Kingdoms that like a nerd like me picks up oh so good so good. Uh, um but he says basically well you know you know there's been you know we've got there's kind of three other bands in competition Mm -hmm. but these two you don't have to worry about because they peaked but there's this other one called azalea you know and he you know and he says and they have this really good singer nanami but he says like they they are supported uh by a music label called key time which will do mm-hmm. anything to win. They get references as the Way Army, which is Cow Cow's army. So, like, yeah. so you can say like this: uh, these are the bad guys. <laughs> bad guys mm-hmm. with Azalea. Uh, Azalea is this, you know, three girl band uh, that play, you know, kind of uh, is playing songs. They're under masks. They're a bit sexual. They're well, more than a bit sexualized. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one idol band, I guess. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like he says, like you know, we're going to have to you know get a hundred thousand likes before they do because they will you know. But uh, we're going to wait until like the last day to do it. Mm-hmm. So and the plan, the plan, yeah. the plan is really to get to 
have uh, Aiko record a new uh, song, something that she's already mm -hmm. been working on, but she needs it yeah. done professionally. Yeah. So. So uh, she she starts by she goes to this uh, this DJ uh, somebody else who um, uh, Kong Ming has managed to enlist uh, through a bet essentially. Yes, yeah. Like again, he, he this guy underestimates Aiko and like mm -hmm. well, you if if she does nothing, like he will become uh, uh, Kong Ming will become like work for this 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 uh, uh, Steve. Uh, uh, Daiko? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Steve, uh, kiddo. Steve kiddo, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he, he's basically, also, he's another person that's based on a real-life character. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the episode we're throwing a cake into the audience, that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. So, actually, Oh, huh. Yeah, yeah, so it's, uh, Steve Iko, uh, very famous, uh, mm. Japan, uh, DJ, so, hmm. um, they, uh, but yeah, they, uh, so like he, uh, Kung Ming sends her off to her with three bags. And, yes. uh, sh shall I, shall I tell you the Romance of the Three Kingdoms version of this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Liu Bei is an ally with Sun Quan at this point in, in history. And, but Sun Quan wants to, uh, take back some of the land. He, he really wants to you know, put one over Liu Bei. Mm -hmm. So he's invited uh, Liu to, uh, marry Sun Quan's sister. Which you mm -hmm. might remember from the movie that she's yes. that warrior one. It, it's just a ploy to you know bring uh, bring bring Liu Bei over to his city mm -hmm. so he can capture him hold, and maybe execute him. Kung Ming uh, gives three bags uh, to uh, uh, Zhao Yun, uh, Liu Bei's uh, kind of general, and says mm -hmm. like, "Open these up when you need them." Like the with the first bag, it. Um, it gives a plan on how to make sure the wedding will go ahead by making, mm -hmm. by publicizing it so everyone knows. So Sun Quan cannot mm -hmm. fake the wedding. Right. Uh, yes. Uh, the second one is a pl uh, plan to get them out of the city, uh, and the third one, uh, once they're married, is to get them out of the city. The third one is to convince the wife, Lai Bei's new wife, mm -hmm. to uh, stop uh, Sun Quan's soldiers from chasing after them. Mm -hmm. So they can get away. So in so Liu Bei gets the gets the girl, which mm -hmm. uh, kind of happens here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and I will say also I'm just gonna say uh, moving into this story, I also I really liked this because I was definitely expecting that it was going to be this like rivalry between women thing. And while they obviously like technically have a rivalry, the point is actually much more about the fact that they become friends, which I really, really like. The The first of these, uh, of these bags is that she's, uh, she's got these like, uh, these like puddings up, um, uh, giving to, uh, to Steve kiddo, which is kind yeah. of what like gets him to, you know, decide he'd like to like listen and test her out today. Yeah. And the second is that she has a, uh, a permit for street performance. And uh, she is, you know, kind of goes out and then she sees this other woman, this uh, other young woman performing is really moved by her. But uh, at that point, right, the cops come up and are like, oh, where is your permit? And so she runs up and, you know, pretends like, oh, like we're you know supposed to be doing this together. Like, here's your permit. Aiko has been told by Steve that she she doesn't have her voice yet. Right. Yes. Like, you know, and so that is a, a, a challenge for her is she's kind of walking around. And she hears this other singer, 
you know, they uh, once they get like uh, like uh, so she kind of says, "Hey, friend, this is he like uh, you know like uh, mm -hmm. to." You know, here's your permits and stuff like that for us to play. And they they kind of have to start playing because the cops are still like mm -hmm. watching them. So, uh, yeah. but they again they're playing that same song that we've kind of been hearing mm -hmm. over and over. So, uh, but like Nanami is really good, right? Mm -hmm. And like Aiko kind of realizes this and realizes this is where she has to get to. Um, yeah. And so they they keep playing and they keep meeting up, uh, so yeah. that Nanami can kind of teach her a bit. So we see like the two of them like becoming friends. Uh, we see that she's clearly very impressed by Nanami and the fact that Nanami feels like she really has her own voice, mm -hmm. right? And it's like done a really excellent job of making this song her own. Um, but also Nanami also like likes Eiko and you know respects Eiko's talent as well. And so you know they have this really nice mm -hmm. and uh, there's um, as. I certainly already guessed, but, you know, it takes a bit to get the reveal. Uh, we eventually got the reveal, of course, that Nanami is the lead singer of this band, Azalea. With the third uh, bag that, like, is uh, rooftop tickets to, like, a, this some, mm -hmm. some rooftop in Tokyo to go look at the moon and things like that and see the stars, it's here that Nanami reveals, hey, I'm, you know, I'm with uh, Azalea. Mm -hmm. Which she and she absolutely hates being with Azalea. She tells us the story yeah. of like how you know her and her two high school friends formed a band. Uh, they loved what they did, and they, they decided to make it, try and make it for themselves. They go to Tokyo, but they're having a real uh, tough time. They they mm -hmm. they're playing at clubs, but they can't even make enough money to cover the costs. Right, so yeah. eventually, uh, a music producer. Karasawa? Yeah, Karasawa, thank you. Yeah. They, eventually, a music producer named Karasawa comes to them and says, hey, I can make you stars, but you, I'm going to have to change everything about you. Like, he basically, like, um, hey, you're going to wear these masks, you're going to wear these outfits, you're going to sing the songs that I choose. Uh, eventually, they not even play their own instruments. Right. They just, you know, basically, you know, uh, Nanami is singing, but the other two are basically dancers. Yeah, and it is this kind of very, right, stereotypical idea that one has, right, of a certain kind of, uh, you know, both, like, girl band and boy band, right, that, like, they don't, like, they don't write their own music, uh, everything is produced and constructed, yeah. you know, they're, they're not, like, real, and that is essentially, right, that the, that this is what Azalea becomes, um, basically, because they, you know, they, they sold out, essentially, right? Yeah. And, and Nanami, you can tell, like, like, she basically reveals that, like, you know, she she hates that what she's become, but she feels she has to keep going at it for her bandmates, for all the people that are around. Like, she says, there's now a lot of money and we have a lot of fans. We have to do this. And, um, you know, it, it brings mm -hmm. uh, Aiko to sing this, uh, to sing the song that we've been singing in her own voice mm -hmm. and to be sit and uh Basically, she nails the song as she's trying to convince Aiko. It was a very, yeah. very touching moment, I, I found. Like, geez. Like, yeah. Uh, you no, know, it's really like, sweet. Basically trying to convince Nanami to follow her heart with mm -hmm. this song. Uh, Nanami leaves in tears. And meanwhile, Kangming is watching. He's all hidden mm -hmm. away. <laughs> so Right. He's got this, like, big, silly costume. Yeah. yeah. But like you said, like you finally found like the reason that you need to sing, that you found everything. Uh, the because mm -hmm. she's now 
understand that she's singing for other people yeah. as she said for the populace right so again yeah. La- La- bay just just you know just all in there right like the, right like, right you a clone or, uh for yeah the populace I mean, and that's ultimately like, right, what she realizes, right, that like caring about the populace is what actually like, this is will give me my own voice. Um, yeah, and exactly right. This is like exactly what's supposed to like make Liu Bei like such a good ruler is that he really cares about the populace. Exactly, exactly. And now and now she can go back and record her song. So yeah, so she she manages to uh, to do that. She records her song. We also have uh, a kind of plot, a kind of new plot with uh, with Kabe, where he ends up uh, kind of be you know prepping for this match against his rival, who is actually ends up being like so impressed by you know how good he is that he basically yeah. says like it's you you win, it's fine. Yeah, Kabe Taji, he basically goes back to his roots, back to his friends, learns the you know the re- uh, relearns the reason that he loves doing this. Uh, so he he it brings him his armor to uh, go back and face uh, face his rival mm-hmm. and, he, and you can see the right away the rival just wanted you know Kapitaji to come back right like mm-hmm. you know he was he was very uh very impressed like he, he's, he's a good guy too like nearly everybody's yeah. a good guy here <laughs> yeah there are very few like- even like as you know a mild spoiler for the end right like even like karasawa who seems like deeply unsympathetic yes ultimately have this like backstory which makes him like way more understandable and like will like turn into somebody who's actually like not really that bad yeah yeah exactly exactly one of the Um, reasons i really love this show is just like yeah yeah and also like i will say also so the so I wasn't as like I was not quite as worried about like the uh, the owner as being like sleazy at first because um, I kind of thought he was just going to be sort of like comic relief and then he is he was nicer than I thought. Mm-hmm. But she also she has this like this like fan who helps him out at various stages. Like he's nice. like the one who actually like right puts like the drugs into Kabe's drink or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like his vibe is in my view like a little creepy. And I was definitely like worried he was going to turn out to be like a major creep and it was going to be like uncomfortable and he's just like never he's just like always like at like very might like off to the side is sometimes helpful but like i don't think we ever even learned his name yeah he's a cogming spy and yeah yeah, like you know i i my 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 thinking as i kind of rewatched the show was that he's not so much as like Aiko's biggest fan, which is yeah. what he has on his shirt, and like uh, he's right. a dirty kid, but he's really yeah. just, he's really just a spy, right? Right, know, and uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's being paid like somehow being paid mm-hmm. by Carmen, right? And like right, it's a, it's a great military kind of like if you look at remember, oh yeah, like, he you know Kangmin doesn't want Aiko to be involved with like spies, right? Like you're you mm-hmm. never like as a general, you never want like your spies, so he's always shady, like. The only time you actually see him, he's actually very calm, yeah. and cool, and collective, right? Like, he, yeah. So, yeah, he's he very interesting. Like, yeah, like a, a very small, minor character in some ways, but it it, it just kind of uh, I I really enjoyed that little, you know, this little thing and kind of thinking about like who is he and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, and uh, and as I said, I just I, I was very relieved that he didn't turn out to be like stalkerish or anything yeah. like that. that was- place that yeah. i was like worried it was going to go and like it doesn't like it stays it stays very like other than the fact like that right we have these like occasional references to the fact that i uh, is a suicide survivor yeah. other than that the show is like very light and yeah. like in a nice way right like in a nice way right like yeah. it like this is not a like heavy trauma show which is a good thing 
Yeah, like he, these people have, you know, they like Aiko has challenges. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, but you know, like they're ones that I think a lot of people can relate. Like, you know, you know, Aiko's, you know, she doesn't have the confidence. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Kabe's got anxiety. You know, uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, uh, Nanami feels like she's a sellout. You know, you know, so. Yeah, and, and yeah. now we we're as I said we're skipping along, and like we're now into like the final act. Yes, Azalea has this plan to get the hundred thousand likes. And yeah, and, and their plan is essentially to buy likes, like literally, right? That essentially it's like you're you're gonna distribute a QR code, and if you you know click on the QR code and like them, then you enter like a giveaway to win a million yen. So like they're they're very literally buying yeah, likes. They're going to hold a surprise concert in Shibuya, like the the main square of Shibuya. They they start to get the word out surreptitiously, like you know, like so they got like influencers that they obviously have paid to say, hey, you know, come out here, and there's going to be this QR code, and uh, if you click on a QR code, you might win a hundred, like a part of like a hundred million yen. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, which is, oh, you know, so you have like lots of people that are coming there looking for it just so they can win the money, right? Uh, yeah. So they're trying to fill it up, but Kangaming is one step ahead of them. Yes, they have this uh, this whole plan, which uh, ends up using the uh, the weather to their advantage. Yes. Um, there is a, a dense fog warning, which I found, I was like very entertained because there was actually a dense fog warning in Memphis while I was watching this <laughs> episode. <laughs> Uh, so like fantastic really like you know life mirroring art essentially what they do right is uh well what they do right is that it is uh the stratagem that he uses in the uh the battle of red cliffs and the romance of the three kingdoms and uh you know this this one i recognized right from uh from the movie that essentially they take advantage that Kongming takes advantage of the fog and like sends out these uh these like boats with these like straw people on them and then the enemy you know sh- the straw people right seeing them just vaguely in the fog and assuming it's a real attack and uh then the- to collect all of the arrows and take them back so that they have a hundred and a hundred thousand arrows so in the same way, he is kind of using this stratagem to uh, take the 100,000 likes. Yes, yes. So uh, so what we see is during as this fog comes in and the people are coming along, uh, a truck pulls up, uh, like a big truck kind of pulls up, and uh, these uh, the singers uh, get unveiled, but it's not Azalea. They're still on their way there. So mm-hmm. it's actually... Uh, uh, Aiko and Kabe and their DJ, uh, and they start playing the Azalea's lead song called Underworld. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, like, people can't, they're looking, but it's foggy and there's lots of things. Right. They're like a little and confused. They're a little confused, and Azalea has always been behind masks, so they're not sure who mm-hmm. it is, right? And uh, so they start, you know, she unveils her own uh, QR code, and people start clicking on it. And she gets uh, after with that one after that first song, she's reached like seventy thousand likes. Mm-hmm. So it, lo- it looks like she's on her way. Yeah, mm-hmm. but then the real Azalea arrives. But in turn, uh, Nanami feels uncomfortable performing. You know, as this you know you know version of herself that she clearly doesn't like or feel connected to. She feels really uncomfortable doing that in front of Eiko, who's like seen her real self as a performer. The, the emotions between Nanami and Eiko are really put up to, like, 
uh, a fever pitch as yeah. uh, as you kind of see the two basically on opposite sides of the square and Nanami can barely get through her song because she knows yeah. that Aiko is watching. Uh, it's, yeah. it's for, I found it very like, you know, that was really hard for me to watch just to watch her yeah. feeling at that. Like, oh, that was mm-hmm. the, I'm, I'm a cold hearted person, as you know. <laughs> and, uh, they, uh, but yeah, this, it, that really part really got to me where, you know, like, Nanami has to do this, but like, you, like, she is literally at the end of the song, you know, just hold, trying to hold, hold it all together. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. And it's yeah. also interesting because Kang Ming is clearly also really moved by this, right? And he switches strategies. So he has this initial plan, this uh, stratagem of alienation that, I, as far as I can tell, the idea, right, is that it's going to kind of split Azalea apart. Yeah. Um, and then essentially decides, like, that's, you know, like, they don't deserve that. That's kind of cruel. And instead, yeah. he has uh, Kabe basically uh, kind of perform this rap, which sort of calls them out as fakers. And that cuts off their flow of likes. And then it is like in this context, right, uh, that uh, that Aiko then uh, starts singing. Yeah, like Aiko, like, uh, Aiko uh, they kind of come to this battle at uh, this point where like the crowd is really turned on because mm-hmm. of Kabe they turned on Aiko. Yeah. And yeah. yelling her to get off. And mm-hmm. Nanami uh, tells the crowd to, you know, stop and listen yeah. to her. Uh, yeah. They, and she begins the song. And this is a song we've been hearing little bits of from the, the yeah. very, like, from early on, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's called Dreamer. And, oh, what a song. What a yeah. song. Yeah. So. And it's lovely. And uh, this is what, in fact, it is just, you know, her song, right? Her, right, you know, her song, her, you know, writing, her performance, which actually, you know, moves the crowd and uh, is what really gets her, her, you know, 100,000 likes, right? And so this is yeah. nice. The strategies obviously helped, but that it is ultimately Aiko's own talent, yeah. which is what, you know, ensures her success. Now, not only does she ensure, she wins, but she also breaks yeah. through to Donami and to the other singers of Azalea. Yeah. The Karasawa is trying desperately to revive like their fortunes and says like to Donami, like, hey, you gotta play yours the, the new song. And she she won't listen to him. But then again, she listens to, to Aiko's song and with a final flourish of a big Mm-hmm. musical sound wave that goes through the crowd and hits her. I love that slow scene. Um, yeah. She she and her friends realizes that, you know, they should be following their dreams. They 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 kind of like in tears embrace each other, mm-hmm. telling them, you know, we gotta go back to our real Azalea. Uh just uh yeah, all three of them. So ah, a lot of emotion there. And so. they sing their own songs. Uh and it actually will turn out that uh Kong Ming also then posts that video and they also get a hundred and thousand a hundred thousand likes. Yeah, so Kong Ming's uh stratagem has been improved with a, the return of a hundred thousand likes. Uh which yes. re- which reveals to Karwasawa and reveals to Azalea that they do have a, f- a following and they by singing the songs that they want to sing, uh by being true. So Azalea becomes an even bigger band. Out of this, yeah. uh, out of out of failing to get the hundred thousand likes and losing to Aiko, but they've become even better. 
and also this is where we uh we learned right that karasawa who had uh, who up until then right seems kind of like the villain here uh that it turned out you know he used to be this like this like glam rocker basically as right as far as you can tell from the picture he was like in this like glam rock band and uh they failed and so the reason that he offered to uh to produce azalea is because he's like well i don't want them to have the same you know failure that i had i think they deserve better it just you know turns out obviously that in doing so he you know lost sight of the real them etc right and uh azalea then asks like will you produce us you know as we as we really want to be and he says yes so it's it's actually nice yeah he has he has this conversation with kong ming where he reveals like you know like music is a business right like you still Mm -hmm. have to approach it that way and he he acknowledges that he he did wrong what in the way Mm -hmm. he did it but he says you still have to compete right like, you know, yeah. he's, he's, not, he's not changing his whole philosophy, right? Yeah. But uh, he, he he has a he has a, a somewhat change of heart, which is yeah. Uh, in, and uh, and and the girls still want him to produce. Yeah. Uh, just not in those outfits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, definitely not in those right. outfits. And, not in uh, those outfits. You know, singing their own songs. And, and, and our, our our show kind of uh, like our season ends off with like Aiko uh, having a celebration party back at the club, has a chat with Kang Ming to you know mm-hmm. like where like they're going to keep going on like he will continue mm-hmm. to be your strategist. Uh, mm-hmm. This 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 first plan has been a success and they will kind of go on. Yeah, and it's uh, and it was nice. He uh, he actually like he sees like the ghost of Nuve, and I was like, I was like a little worried at first. I was like gonna like go off with uh with him and like return to being dead i guess uh but no it seems like he's planning on uh on sticking around so which uh which is great very charming yeah, yeah you know and uh so this this was season one of the show and there has not been a season two put out yet yeah which is but yeah i think that's unlikely now at this stage mm-hmm. although uh, although it still happened like uh so like this mm. the the this anime was released in the spring of 2022 so like the the, the comic book uh which is still going on by the way it's still like uh, they had did a uh, last issue came out a month ago so there's still lots of uh, material for them to work with but uh this studio that that made it is kind of known for not making sequels mm-hmm. so yeah uh, so that yeah you know so we made that might be all we have uh mm-hmm. at least in this version of, yes, uh, there's also going to be yeah, there's also going to be a live action version, right? Yeah, in fact, in fact, it uh, as as of this recording, I think it's been out for about a week and a half uh, the, oh. like, uh, since the first episode. And, like I, I have only seen like a trailer of it, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if it looks that good, but uh, you know, hey, they, yeah, uh, check it out. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, they have that now. I, I guess you know the one thing we haven't talked about are, mm-hmm. is the is the the opening and ending music for this yes. show. Most people that kind of came into this show were inspired mm-hmm. by the 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 song that opens the show, uh, which opens oh. this episode, which is yeah. called, which is called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yes, yes, <laughs> and it 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 is awesome. So um, yeah. Like I think I showed, I sent you a, a couple of them, but like there are like videos yeah. with millions of views on like multiple versions, and this is a cover of a Hungarian 
pop song from about huh. five or six years ago. So uh, fun. I also found it uh, really entertaining that despite the fact that Kung Ming in the actual show is pretty much always wearing it precisely the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the opening credits have this like Kong being, but like cycling through all of these like wild, like costumes associated with different historical eras and stuff. It's like, it's yeah. very cute. Yeah. They're riding a red Mustang. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, again, also something from the, from the story of the three kingdoms. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and oh, just like, uh, yeah, something like, like, Hey, you know, if you haven't been convinced yet to watch it, this yeah. show. Watch this uh, trailer, you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Boy Coming opening uh, version. And yeah. sorry, I got distracted by the cat. Yes, the, uh, the, the cat behind me. Yeah, yeah, jumping. Um, yeah, she uh, she likes to get very high. And so she I've got these like built in bookshelves on the, these like built in shelves on the side that are like right up at the ceiling. And she like do a jump from like the bookshelf to there and they so it's very yeah, agile so we have we have that song which is just awesome and uh the closing mm-hmm. credits are you know um hey 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 dj yeah 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 you know kind of song. yeah and uh which is a song that changes as new characters are added their voices are added to this to mm-hmm. song as well so, yeah um, yeah uh, so those that just great like, like the music here of this show mm-hmm. is just awesome so yeah um, I'm kind of surprised that, you know, or I wonder how the manga is, because the manga can't off, mm-hmm. obviously offer music, you know. Like, right. Uh, so, like, this, this you know, it, it can, I can see how this show must have really improved mm-hmm. on the manga in, in that respect yeah. alone. So. In that particular way, at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For it falls so I guess we can uh, get into uh, what the show uh, got right and wrong about the pre-modern, <laughs> which uh, given that it's like time travel, my discussion on this is relatively late, except for uh, some some stuff on uh, the, the figure of Kogbing, which I'm going to save for the, uh, the next segment. So uh, the only thing that I really kind of found is that um, I wanted to note, right, so we start out and he's at this, you know, Halloween party, which is clearly a big deal, and he doesn't really know what's going on. And that does indeed make sense. Halloween would not have been a thing in third century China. So fair enough. And uh, his reaction, right, is that so I must be in hell. And uh, so I spent some time looking up Chinese ideas about hell. And uh, so, you know, I am not an expert in this, but what I found, there is this concept uh, called Diu, which seems like it's actually uh, sort of in some ways, it's kind of described as hell, but it's in some ways kind of more like a Christian concept of purgatory in the sense that you're you're there, you experience these kind of torments, but that you're not supposed to be there forever, right? That you're essentially kind of supposed to like expiate your sins and or something, and then, right, you are reincarnated, as opposed to, you know, going to, going to heaven, according to this uh, system. Mm. But, you know, so, all right, it is this, uh, this like, right hell. And um, it's uh, based on what I found, it seems like there, there are at least some places, right, that have concepts of there being, like, different levels of hell, although at least some of those seem like there may be a little bit later in terms of at least the first written version, but, you know, potentially, like, earlier in terms of oral traditions. However, the one thing that I will note is that... Um, so, uh, so Eiko is like dressed as like a demon in the traditional Western sense. That 
far as I can tell from my research, does not seem like it would have been a kind of familiar concept or in, a, in terms of like that per, that portrayal of a demon would not have been familiar to a third century Chinese audience. Uh, so for example, right, like the the king of demons, this figure called uh, Zhang Kui, who um, is, uh, you know, it, you know, who like might be considered to be analogous to Satan, but rather than being like this like kind of big monstrous figure with horns, he's just like a big guy who's got a black beard. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, again, this is just like some, some you know, general research on my part, and I'm definitely not an expert, but I thought that was interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, it's like, all right, like, uh, you know, you know, where can they, and like, you know, like the, the writers behind this, who clearly has a huge love for the Three Kingdoms, like, like how much, mm -hmm. how much yeah. will they know? Like, and I, like a lot of it is very Three Kingdoms specific, right? So, yes, like he, like he, I can sense he, he got one thing wrong in like mm -hmm. uh, writing his, uh, you know, like uh, the parts, which is the thirty six stratagems, right? Yes, because that that's actually a sixth century text, right? Which, uh, right. which actually, which actually refers to stuff that happens in the Three Kingdoms, including stuff mm -hmm. that the Kang Ming did. So, how does Kang Ming know? So, this, right. Like, so, uh, uh, yeah. Historia et veritas. So that actually, it's I think a good lead into the uh, the Historia et veritas, right? Talking about a kind of real person and actually talking about Kang Ming here. Do you want to, we, we've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but uh, would you like to sort of reiterate for our audience uh, who does and, and, you know, yeah. why would he be like a familiar figure, right, to uh, our, to the audience for, for this, for this show? So uh, Kung Ming kind of shows up on the scene around the year 206, 207. He is a scholar kind of living on his own in like a hut in the middle of nowhere. Uh, mm -hmm. But other scholars know of him, and they recommend him to Liu Bei, and eventually Liu Bei brings him in as his commander. Like, Kung Ming is much younger than Liu Bei at this point, uh, maybe like 30 years younger, but he, Liu Bei, entrusts him to command his forces. So Kung Ming wins a series of battles. He's able to carve out a part of uh, medieval China, the kingdom of mm -hmm. Shu Han, which is one of the three kingdoms. So he, he kind of gains this mythical status, although like, you know, mm -hmm. he's well attested. Like I have one of, I have one of his writings uh, mm -hmm. about the art of generalship. Uh, he, mm -hmm. He's kind of, but you know, he, as uh, like the kind of history kind of moves along, he, he also comes into folklore where he has, you know, mm -hmm. he's almost a bit of a wizard. You know, he has a bit of magical powers they um and these kind of folklores kind of culminate this mix of folklore and history it's called romance of the three kingdoms a 13th century mm -hmm. novel um one of the most famous novels out of china uh would would be well read uh mm -hmm. you know across like in korea and in japan as well mm -hmm. so like the, the kung ming is yeah, as one of the main characters and as this kind of like sage of all sages mm -hmm. like the smartest guy, the smartest guy you will ever meet you know, it is not surprising that like a, that kind of East Asian audience kind of gravitates to him as like, hey, this is a, a heroic <laughs> figure that we, <laughs> someone that would, right. that would that would make sense like to reincarnate mm -hmm. and put, put on a TV yeah. show. So, but yeah, he is, uh, yeah, like uh, again, like uh, Romance, as we said before in the, the previous episode, Romance of the Three Kingdoms is a, 
a hugely influential book mm-hmm. uh, that's produced tons and tons and tons of media. Mm-hmm. They and, and uh, I was really just happy to have that someone decided yeah. to do this. So yeah. Hey. Yeah. And so the uh, the other thing that I was going to note is that one of the things that the show does, which uh, which I see as being like a choice as opposed to necessarily an error, right, is that I think that, uh, right, that we kind of blend together the stuff that is uh, kind of clearly historical with the stuff that's kind of maybe more sort of legend based, right, that we have the uh, the records of the three kingdoms and that material, right? And then we also have things like the 36 Stratagems, uh, um, which is a text that was later, but which he was kind of one of the sort of attributed authors, even though it presumably he was not, like nobody actually thinks now that he was the author. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the Romance of the Kingdoms, right? Which is obviously, look, you know, using this material, but is much later and obviously takes liberties. So uh, from what I was reading, at least, it seems like the uh, the sort of stratagem with the 100,000 arrows that that's in the romance of the three kingdoms it seems or it seems like that's maybe not something that there's any historical evidence for i'll have i'll have to double check on that because um, yeah like the the battle itself and certain aspects of it were right yeah that might be that might be a more fictionalized version the the one thing is that there's multiple like uh accounts of right of, of episodes right like where mm-hmm. you know like uh in, in these stories so they well th- according to this this happened according to this this happened and they could they'll mm-hmm. be diametrically opposed right mm-hmm. uh, so um they, right yeah like so like uh yeah this there's just often kind of a blurring of like you know sources and mm-hmm. like perspectives so yeah um, yeah you know like um like uh, to me, yeah. Like this, this, the this show is is basically just following this romance of the three kingdoms as its right. as the history, which is which is how most people, you know, mm-hmm. would like today would would view it. As, yeah. Like, like like most people kind of take romance of the three kingdoms as as basically factual, uh, whereas mm-hmm. like us historians, well, no, it's not quite. And, right. And, uh, right. But like you know, so they haven't they haven't heard the other versions of it, so mm-hmm. they yeah. But yeah, so that's definitely, yeah, the, the move that the show makes, right, is to kind of, right, just take that as being how it went. Yeah. But, they, uh, but, you know, they, but I think that is like a choice and I think it works. Yeah, like they play to it, like where he says, like, oh, you know, like when he's like looking through the wiki, you know, uh, it's <laughs> like, oh, this uh, the battle of this, the battle of this. Oh, is that how these stories have come down? You know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's kind of fun. Like this show does, like you know, uh, one thing we forgot to mention is like uh, during the intros to each show, there's a little kind of uh, the narrator talks about like some sort of episode in in Chinese history or something to do with 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 Kong Ming, uh, which mm-hmm. is shown in a different kind of animation style as well to like a, yeah. a bit of a historical. Uh, so yeah. they kind of try and explain these uh, things historically, right? Like these, mm-hmm. uh, so that you know the the person that has never seen Romance in Three Kingdoms or ever read it will have some idea of what they're talking about. Yeah. Which I thought overall they did really well, right? I mean, I um I kind of read some excerpts and uh, of course saw the, you know, the movie that we watched together for the podcast, uh but I'm definitely, you know, not not an expert in this, right? And so this was not always completely familiar material to me. Mm-hmm. And so I actually thought they did a really effective job of kind of presenting it in a way that kind of made, you know, as much of the context as was necessary for understanding the story clear. They uh, also like when Kung Ming does recite some poetry, he's actually reciting mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, famous ancient Chinese po- mm-hmm. poems. So that mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, so good on them. Yeah. Uh, you know, which it was, and they also, you know, um, I think the writing that they kind of, you sometimes see characters like, and that is mm-hmm. like, you know, Chinese characters, which would have been even hard for like a Japanese audience yeah. to, to know. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I also thought they were, it was kind of cool that they, uh, they do actually mention the language thing too, uh, that they comment on the fact that, right. Like that, like Kung Ming is like speaking fluent Japanese, even though he would not have like known necessary, he probably would not have known Japanese. Yeah. Um, and that is just like, Oh, part of the, part of the magic. Yeah, don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah, like, which like I'm fine with, right? Like I'm I'm glad they addressed it. Yeah, the, like the character, like the characters, you know, initially are are are, are skeptical at, at yeah <laughs> at best that he is Kong Ming, mm-hmm. um, which and, makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and like they even like you know halfway through is like you know wow is this is this really Kong Ming you know and so, mm-hmm. but by by the end like you know. No, no, no one it's not that no one's doubt like is like convinced of it but they just accept mm-hmm. it, right like you know that's... yeah they're just like yep yeah, it's whatever it's fine this is his deal yeah, yeah. They, and it kind uh, of almost seems like it doesn't matter ultimately to people that much right that to some extent they're like huh is he really kung ping crazy yeah. but like at some point they're just like well this is this is just this guy's deal yeah you know and uh which is the great you know like uh and i, I guess like audiences will be you know, kind of primed that this thing can happen because it's it's part yeah. of a, like um, so the the show kind of falls in a trend what's called reverse isekai. Mm-hmm. They, uh, now isekai kind of means uh, like the genre where a character gets transported to another time or another mm-hmm. world, right? Like you or I, like we're walking around, you know, maybe we die, but then we find ourselves like in 14th century England, right? Right. We remember like, oh, hey, you know, what happened mm-hmm. to us? But, you know, we all have our little, you know, thing of like trying to get used to it. And that, like, that's the story. And there's, that's a popular yeah. way. Reverse Isakai is the, hey, mm-hmm. a character from another world or another time gets transported to mm-hmm. present day. You know, like this, you know, this kind of, kind of thing, you know, like audiences, anime audiences would either like say oh yeah this is just another part yeah. and they can they can accept it it's not like uh-huh. you know hey you know not like as opposed yeah. to where i think like a western audience like if this was like a western movie like oh you have to explain right. this so many ways yeah star trek and i and i actually really like i hadn't known that terminology and i actually really like that there is like a genre distinction between those two things mm-hmm. in a way that i feel like there isn't in western literature and film mm-hmm. that is just like there's like time travel stuff and there's no like distinction right between like the genre expectations for the like modern person in the past or the person versus the person from the past and the present. So I, I kind of like that actually. Yeah. I, I, you know, I like, uh, I am getting used to watching, uh, things like that where the, you mm-hmm. know, these kind of characters can kind of pop up and, uh, uh, it's just a delightful way of, you know, yeah. uh, creating a story. So yeah. All yeah. yeah. Fun. So for the uh, the next segment, the uh, the Fabula Nostra, where we come up with an idea for a piece of media inspired by this one, my idea is just like coming up with like other historical figures to do something like this with, just because I like found it very charming. Mm-hmm. I ended up kind of going in a somewhat different direction. And then at first I was like, who would, if they showed up in the modern day, like be helpful? And then I was like, well, 
this one did a really good job of having somebody be helpful. Uh, so maybe I'm going to do something different and have somebody who's maybe uh, not so helpful. And so uh, my suggestion was to bring, uh, have transported into the present, perhaps in the midst of some sort of mystical ecstasy, Christina Maravillous or Christina the Astonishing. So this uh, mystic based in the Low Countries in the late 12th and early 13th century, who was known for these extreme acts of deprivation that essentially her family just found like extremely embarrassing and annoying as these kind of acts of sanctity and also for fleeing human contact because like she was, you know, like overwhelmed by like humans sin, like the stench of sin essentially. And like took off and like fled into the woods where she like and nursed herself on her own miraculously produced breast milk. And so like, you know, one of our like weird saints, right? Our like weird medieval women mystics. So I think having a comedic short series of somebody who's just like a regular person with an office job, having to babysit this woman who keeps like giving away all of her stuff and like running off into the woods and is like miraculously lactating. I just think that would be hilarious. Ooh, I, I, I could, uh, I, I could, I'd watch that. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I, I kind of looked at, I was thinking like about as this, as, you know, what other kind of movies are, are, are similar, um, where you had this transportation, like a couple things came to mind to me was like Lay Visitors as the French film mm-hmm. from the nineties. There was one mm-hmm. called The, Night, the yeah. Night Before Christmas. Uh, oh, wonderful stuff. Yes. I have covered the night before Christmas uh, and have made lots of people watch the night before Christmas. <laughs> yes. They, uh, which had kind of a similar way in that the hero mm-hmm. uh, adapts fairly, fairly good to modern yeah. world. But, yeah. uh, but like, hey, like, I, I gotta think I, I want to isekai myself uh, to mm-hmm. the Romance of the Three Kingdoms period. Yeah. Uh, I, I uh, you know, set, just set me down to observe uh mm-hmm. and yeah i i do a documentary of me like you know <laughs> walk, walking around like yeah. interviewing everybody involved mm-hmm. in documentary style so that's that's yeah you know, that's, so that's more that's more my that's more a personal yeah. thing than than yeah. you don't have to watch it but um. <laughs> i actually do think like that like style as like a work of fiction would be uh be a lot of fun right somebody who's just like this enthusiast who ends up being kind of set in this period and is like really interested in like learning about the realities there yeah like you know as a as a person like you know kind of one of the fans of this Mm -hmm. you know like you know uh i guess it's like you don't want to meet your idols so Mm -hmm. like but you do like and like how are they yeah you know will they ever live up to the characters that they are right you know but yeah uh, i think that's kind of a fun way of, of exploring uh that kind of stuff but uh it would be just uh, uh you know uh, i i do like this kind of idea of like you know people mm-hmm. that can go back and forth and and also yeah. like they know they come back with all their knowledge right like they're mm-hmm. they they haven't forgotten who they are right so, yeah but, uh, yeah and you know and, and when done well i do think that like these kinds of stories right can be really interesting as a way of sort of thinking about a historical era a little bit differently both in terms of you know thinking about the kinds of things that would you know jump out to you know us if we were transported to the past or the kinds of things that you know that would be getting to a person from the past transported into the present Granted, I think a lot of the stuff out there, like, I'm I'm not sure I would say, you know, The Night Before Christmas does that well, uh, but it's entertaining. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. 
like, oh, yeah, uh, I think with the night before Christmas, I told a, a friend of mine, like, this is a story of how a man has to travel through time to teach a woman love. Yeah. And, and, and this this is a story of how a man has to travel through time to teach a person how to uh, how to sing. Yeah. How to make it big in singing. Yeah. So, yeah. That, like, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, certainly a, a, uh, an area that can be that's plumb for historians to kind of look at like mm -hmm. as you know uh, as something yeah. that can create entertaining but also a way to to explore ideas just like how we how we look at the past right mm -hmm. yeah yeah so at this point we can uh rate this series on a scale from one to five based on whatever purely subjective criteria we see fit so I'm going to give it a 4.5, and that's in part just because I, I'm always very hesitant to give anything a 5. Um, so uh, And so I have just, like, very, like, minor quibbles. Like, I think the, like, relationship between Eiko and Kabe is uh, kind of underdeveloped. Yeah. I feel like, you know, eventually, right, we have all these kind of, like, nice sort of heartwarming relationships, but that, like, there's, like, there's a little bit of a... I found there to be just a little bit of a slow start in terms of especially kind of, like, emphasizing, like, pure competition angle. And so, like, it, it took me a little while, I guess, to kind of be be sort of more invested in the characters. I sort of found entertaining from the beginning, but I kind of, uh, it kind of took me a little bit to feel really invested in the characters, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just, like, very, very minor quibbles, which are going to be giving it a 4.5 instead of a 5. But that's mm -hmm. pretty for my readings on this podcast. Okay, well, uh, I'll let you go with the takeaway point five, but I'm not. Okay. Exactly. This was just a, a a big batch of comfort food for me. Yeah, I enjoyed it as as a fan of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Mm -hmm. You know, I got all these tiny little references that uh, would have passed you by, right? Like, you know, like just like yeah, name, I mean, you even mentioned things that I did not get. Like, yeah, like, like I can feel like, hey, you're like Aiko. Like, what the hell are these yeah. talking about? Right. <laughs> Like it is a, such a to me a heartwarming tale of pe of kind of you know people that have to overcome struggles within right mm -hmm. uh, they have to kind of they're they're facing these kind of everyday challenges that uh, that they and they're able to succeed through uh, really through intelligence right like yeah there's, there's no violence in this movie in this mm -hmm. series like the most violent yeah. thing is someone getting hit on the shin with this with a cane right which is not, yeah. which is not off which is off, off screen and arguably um, having uh, without their knowledge fed medics fed medication which works out but i'm a little bit like yeah. i'm not sure we should be encouraging that <laughs> that's true that's true but you know like like I said, like it, it, I found like emotionally, like you know, yeah. you know, like it, it touched on everything. I thought that the characters, uh, the female characters, were done really, really well. Like, like yes, like with surprise, like like this show would have been like obviously kind of geared to a male audience, right? Yeah, like, like you know, mm -hmm. Master of the Kingdoms, I think it's far more popular with young men than, mm -hmm. than any other kind of group, but. Like the women play, you know, really good. Like the relationship between Naomi yeah. and Aiko is, is just awesome. Like, yeah, it, it is so done so well that, yeah, it's this like know. really nice female friendship, right? And there's this kind of emphasis on like their friendship overcoming like the like structural position of comp, like of competition that they have, have with one another. Yeah. yeah, which I really, really liked. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, there, there's very little 
you know, reference the sex in this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a couple of scenes, like, um, you know, th- we don't have any romantic subplots at all in this. Uh, by the yeah. way, uh, uh, by the way, Aiko's name is actually based on the name of Kung Ming's actual wife. Oh, huh. You know, so, uh, like, uh, and but, I like, did think that was interesting little bit of a sort of will they won't they at a couple of places but it never actually like clearly goes in that direction which like i like to be honest i mean i like when there are things where like actually like men and women can like be friends yeah like like he like Ming sees her as Liu bay like as he was Liu bay yeah right and uh, yeah and, and and her character is very similar to Liu bay and like mm-hmm. Liu bay is like I don't know if I can do this, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, a lot of pressures on me. Like, you know, yeah. what am I doing this for? Like, those are kind of all kind of questions he has yeah. to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, yeah, like uh, it's the way the characters were done so well. Um, I, I would, I would love to see a second season. I don't, think, yeah. I doubt, don't think that will happen. But, mm-hmm. uh, but then again, hey, it's uh, we'll see how the uh, live action version does. Yeah, and, and maybe, and yeah, maybe I'll go out. Maybe I'll go out and get the mangas. I really enjoy this. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I said, like, you know, I think you know, even if we have younger kids, like I would say, mm-hmm. you know, ten, eleven. Yeah, uh, I, 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 you know. I would have them watch it. I think they, you know, can yeah. be a lot of inspiration, right? So, yeah. And I think uh, like, yeah, it's like a nice story. There isn't really any like material. That, like, as I said, like there's like the one reference, right. To a suicide attempt. But other than that, like, I think it's like pretty, like, it, like it's pretty late. Like there's nothing else that I would say, like could be considered like not totally like kid appropriate. So. Yeah. yeah you know, like, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, in that way it, it it's you know kind of family material, uh, yeah. but you 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 can come into it like a lot of different perspectives. Like you know, we come into mm-hmm. it as the historians, and we can look at it that way. But you don't have to, right? Like you can accept yeah. the tale. You know, there's a lot of funny parts. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, the, the, there's humor. It's not like you know over the top humor, but there is humor mm-hmm. in it. Like you probably will go back and uh, watch the music. The, uh, the music mm-hmm. parts again and again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like, yeah, I've, I've watched it a bunch of times. And yeah. My, my partner, she's like, you know, ah, oh, you're watching it again. <laughs> well, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm, pre- I'm prepping for it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, this, I, this I, time I, it's I, work. I, yeah, it's a serious <laughs> podcast to deal with. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so definitely, um, yeah, for me, it's a five out of five, and uh, I, I I wholeheartedly to go watch it. And if uh, I, I hope you, if you come back, you've watched it. I'd love to hear your get your comments too. If you liked it, if you if we did it justice mm-hmm. uh, as we as we talked about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Peter, thank you for bringing this to my attention. As I said, I'm, I'm I doubt I would have come across this or uh, watched this left on my own. So, I really appreciate your uh, your bringing this to my attention and introducing this to me because I really enjoyed it. You know, I have now brought you three times. Yeah. So, just, and you are just, just saying, yeah, you know? yeah, and you are you are welcome back on the podcast anytime. Thank you. Thank you are you are now you are now my advisor, uh, <laughs> my advisor and strategist. <laughs> So, other, of course, than being my advisor and strategist, uh, where can the listeners find you on the internet? Uh, uh, Best place to start is uh, medievalist.net, M-E-D-I-E-V-A-L-I-S-T-S.net. You come there, uh, 
you probably won't see my name on too many things, but like rest assured, I, I probably had a hand in, in doing that parts of it uh, where, you know, we do the news articles, all sorts of things, uh, mm-hmm. and hopefully uh, bring uh, bring to the populace the, medi- the medieval world. A really, really fantastic resource for those of you who either for, you know, access reasons or, you know, time-based reasons, right, are not going to be like reading a lot of, you know, academic articles, uh, you know, articles published in academic journals and whatnot. Dot.net is a fantastic resource to get accessible, but accurate information about the Middle Ages. Oh, well, some people quibble the word accurate, but hey, I'll I'll take that. (laughs) So yeah, so thank you. Uh, So if you've uh, enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcaster app and read on Apple Podcasts. I'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes. Please also follow the podcast on Twitter at Media Evil Pod and join our Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter. I guess is that where we're still? I don't know. I I don't I don't know anymore. But for now, on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah Iftdecker. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please contact me via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So Peter, thank you again. Thanks a lot. And thank you all for listening to Media Evil. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah.